0: Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Ty West Pearl. Joining me again for the second consecutive week, we have uh, Daniel Lima. Daniel, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going. It's going beautifully.
0: Okay, I hope you uh, hope you haven't adopted any alligators or pigs lately, you know. Not yet. Uh, uh, Not okay. yet. I, I, just, I think you would have found this movie offensive. But the uh, week is young. All right. Also joining us, uh, I hope he hasn't befriended any scarecrows lately. It's Gage Eccleston. Gage, how's it going?
2: I'm here. Back to back, (laughs) back to back appearances.
0: I know. This is very exciting. First time I think someone's first two appearances have ever been on consecutive weeks like this. So I appreciate you coming back uh, so quickly. Uh, Though I guess uh, you know, uh, Gage expressed an interest in that after at the end of last week's Barbarian podcast, where we talked a little bit about X, and uh, he said, and apparently he was a fan of that. So made sense to bring Daniel back for this and just invite Gage anyway. Uh, (laughs) Uh, It sounds like he uh, had some thoughts on that one from earlier this year, which Daniel and I already talked about because X was the – Movie that came out earlier this year in march or april i think that uh ty west directed and uh they they shot even though these movies are set in texas they shot that in new zealand and uh that movie uh, starred mia goth along with a bunch of other fairly recognizable faces which is not exactly the case in this movie but when they when ty west and mia goth were over there in production on x they kind of like just conceived of the idea for pearl mia goth along with ty west has a screenplay credit on this film and they obviously decided to further develop the character and uh, of pearl from x who is the obviously the the old woman there and uh who she also played under lots of prosthetics and they said all right well you will play her in the prequel where we kind of uh pick up with her in 1918 towards the end of World War 1 when she is living on the same property with her domineering german immigrant mother uh if you are curious what a german immigrant is i suggest you check out the wikipedia page for this movie <laughs> and, and oh, i'm learning i'm learning so much <laughs> the hyperlinks <laughs> it's, it's educational <laughs> um uh but she also has a, a an incapacitated father who uh has uh who is, who's paralyzed and uh really can't communicate they have to uh she and her mother have to t- pearl and her mother have to totally care for him and it's just not a really fun life for pearl her family does not have a lot of money and uh you know her her, her mom is just like constantly warding over her not letting her do anything when she really aspires to more in life even with someone that has a husband that just happens to be away at war I honestly don't really want to say much else though. I, I we're not gonna do uh, a second straight week guys. We're not doing a spoiler section because I, I mean though I am curious to talk about how you guys think this movie would play for someone that hadn't seen X, but I mm-hmm. don't think we necessarily need to uh, do a spoiler section for this as it, you know, it uh, we kind of know we kind of know this character is making it through the movie and we know if you're going to see it, you kind of figure out you, you kind of know what this character's deal is and what she's probably gonna do to all the other people in the movie. Yeah,
1: um, truly, even if you didn't see X, I think from like fr- a couple frames in, you're like, Oh, okay. She's crazy. All right, yeah. There's, I got you. there's context clues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just uh, just you know, uh, just look at you know just about every single thing she does when she is uh, not in someone else's presence, and then ultimately when she is in other people's presence. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess it's, it's it's an interesting conceit for like a trilogy, guys, where you kind of work your way backwards, and uh, and then we find out that the, there's going to be a third movie in this that takes place in the '80s, following Maxine from X. And I'm I'm wondering though, like when you hear a movie is going to like just go 60 years into the past like this. Daniel, I guess I'll start with you. I think I started with Gage last week. What What do you want to, I mean, we, I know we talked about X, you liked X. When you hear they're going 60 years in the past and going to follow this character again, what, do you, what are you hoping it accomplishes beyond like, just kind of showing you like, oh yeah, that makes sense that you would end up like this.
1: Well, here's the thing. I was listening to interviews that West was doing after X came out and he was saying like, whatever you're thinking Pearl's going to be, It's not going to be that. And he was saying like, oh, I'm getting inspiration from like Douglas Cirque for this one, Uh, you know, from and I'm like listening to all this. And I'm like, yeah, all right, bro. Like, you know, I don't I I didn't believe it. I thought this was just, you know, a young filmmaker hyping up his next project. Like, of course, you're going to say it's like nothing that you would have expected from him. This is nothing like what I expected from him. You know, I'm not actually a huge uh, West guy. Gage is actually more, that's actually, he's got a poster of House of the Devil on his wall. Like he's an acolyte. <laughs> but um, me, I'm not quite there. I, and I kind of expected this would just be like a slasher kind of in the same vein. But instead, you know, from like pretty much the first couple seconds of the movie, you're it, it's really going in on like, 50s technicolor dramas he's pulling from like mary poppins and uh and wizard of oz and it is to those sorts of movies what x was to like the 70s slasher
0: were you hoping for the kind of movie that you were expecting or were you pleasantly surprised ultimately
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Pleasantly surprised. Like Mm -hmm. I was very happy to see something that kind of uh, harkens back to another kind of movie, something that we don't see that often. And honestly, something that does speak to the current era in a way that I think even eluded the film before this.
0: Yeah, Gage, you didn't mention last week when we talked a little bit about it that you were that you were kind of a fan of Ty West's previous stuff before X. I kind of am kicking myself for not going back and revisiting some of that stuff since X. I just didn't really make the time to do it, and Pro kind of caught me off guard. I knew it was coming. I didn't realize it was coming as fast as it did. Uh, so as someone that like had followed him before he kind of like had something that was, I I don't want to say it's a big hit, but it's probably the the most seen of his movies X was like, what, what, what did you think as someone that had followed his earlier stuff? Like when he kind of did something that kind of like by his standards, more mainstream in X. And then were you ultimately pleasantly surprised as well? Like it sounds like, uh, Daniel was.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I am a big Ty West fan. I defend Mm -hmm. almost all of his movies. The sacrament is not good. Even then it's okay. It has interesting parts in it, but overall but going in you know i figured it was interesting because this is not like a time period that he's done before almost all his movies are really focused on genre and focused on time period there are they always have like the texture of whatever time period that the, the movie takes place in. Like House of the Devil, you know, they shot on 16 millimeter. The whole thing looks like it takes place in the late 70s, early 80s. It just has that feel. Um, You know, his last movie before X was a Western in 2016 called uh, In a Valley of Violence. And basically any interview you read about it with him in it, he says this is just a Western from the first frame to the last frame. There's no revisionism here there's no like deconstruction of the genre he kind of just picks a time period in a genre and he fully like commits to that vision so when he said he was going back to 1918 and trying to make like a weird slasher melodrama film you know that's not something that i've seen before and it's not something he's tackled before And I was a little bit worried that he wasn't going to pull it off because, you know, not all of his movies have been successful, but uh, he definitely won me over by the end of the runtime, even though it's not a film that's nearly, I think, as accessible or easy to market or, you know, just um, it's not as relatable and as, uh, you know, apparent as X is.
0: Yeah. I, I don't want to say it was exactly kind of what I was expecting. Maybe like, some of the visual uh, references you guys were talking about weren't exactly what I thought was coming. But like, I figured it was going to be like, you know, I figured we were going to see her and kill a bunch of people and get a little more context for like, why the way she was in that first movie. And we got all that, I think, but like, it wasn't, but there weren't, actually, I take that back because there wasn't actually really that many kills. Yeah, Yeah, no, there's uh, only,
1: there's only like, I think three or four, Uh, if and that's counting the goose.
0: (laughs) Well, I I, I should say on screen kills because like uh, Smothers the Dad, they don't even show that uh the, the mom like i mean she probably would have killed her at some point anyway but like she wasn't exactly going for that in the moment and it just kind of happens like you see like two stabbings and that's really it but like you know so she's responsible for some death and we see that and so three stabbings it, but, like, again again you're forgetting oh, I, okay, I, I, I'm you forgetting, are I'm forgetting <laughs> the goose
1: that's a very important part of it uh before we get into pearl's character though to speak to like the, the technical aspect because i think let me say uh, let me
0: say i i did like it too no no go <laughs> yeah, ahead i'm
1: yeah, sorry my bad uh, the uh Ty West, though, like he said that um, he kind of anticipates this trilogy to be like something that makes audiences pay attention to the craft of film. Uh, It makes them think about, oh, who's the person that decides how this movie looks? Who decides on what props they use? And, you know, like he wants people to be conscious of the filmmaking process. And to that end, I think that this film does try its best to like, evoke the feeling of those 40s movies like you know that opening title see the moment you see like the title credits you see that it's in that that old that old school like kind of font um and it's like there's lots of wipes and um uh, i'm so sorry what is that transition when like the screen narrows into, into a, point? a circle i'm not
2: sure what the name for that is honestly
1: yeah I, I was thinking about i have no idea but you know they're doing all sorts of like very old fashioned sort of scene transitions uh honestly the way that The film is framed seems to me to evoke the sort of like older like almost like a multi-camera sitcom look Uh, the color grading like you know again
0: i'm gonna ask you guys a little bit about the color stuff because in x like after they stop at that gas station, we never actually really leave the property um, after they get on, get onto the property there and here. It's interesting. It's a time when the country's at war, but they, I think they depict that town as fairly vibrant for the time where she does actually spend in there, at least with the colors. And um, I don't know. It was just something I was thinking about today where it was like, I, are we supposed to, I don't know if we're supposed to assume that's like a dead town in X you know, because we don't really see it, but like we don't really see anything that's all that colorful at all in X. And I was kind of curious as I was thinking about it, like how intentional that was. I don't,
2: I, honestly, I don't remember the town really being in X all that much. I remember they stop at the gas station, but do you see the town outside? No, of- no, 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 that's what no, I'm, no, 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 that's what
0: I'm no, saying. They don't, saw, okay. they, they don't, you see nothing. Whereas here they like, so I wasn't sure if like that was that intentional to like just show another, like any kind of vibrancy in any community in this. I
1: don't think that that necessarily was like, Intentional, so yeah, not intentional in the sense that like the, he didn't. It wasn't like an attempt to show like the town being more vibrant. Or it's just that like the film is. Uh, yeah, you that's know, just how he. Yeah. Or yeah, the film is meant to evoke the Technicolor look, um, because so much of the film is obsessed with what's her name? Um, Pearl. How do I forget the, <laughs> name, the, <main> <laughs> the title of the film? Pearl, the,
0: the title character.
1: <laughs> but um, Pearl is so obsessed with like the thought of leaving this property, seeing the world, achieving stardom and fame and this and that. And the, the Technicolor look sort of is meant to kind of evoke her worldview. Um, and I think actually, as the film progresses, it becomes less and less. Evocative of that era of filmmaking and starts to feel the colors, the same, the color grading is the same, but I think it starts to just feel more modern, like they're using more modern uh, composition, editing, rhythm, that sort of like is sort of the break from the illusion that uh, Pearl had set up for herself.
2: Yeah, even the um, ten-minute-long monologue that she has at the very tail end of the film, it, it that scene looks markedly different because she has her makeup smeared all over her face, her hair's undone, and she's, uh, you know, sitting in this dark kitchen, you know, with the the only thing in the frame besides like some some dim wallpaper behind her, uh, you know, it, it looks completely different than everything that came before it in the
0: film so it's it's the next, what, what, what i was thinking about was that it was kind of funny that in some ways to happen to talk to you guys about this after talking to you guys about barbarian because for some reason my, my theater happened to put us in like a very small like 36 person capacity room for uh for pearl so it was like a full room but it wasn't that many people really and I, everyone like laughed a lot and i'm wondering like what you think about the humor in the movie because i was thinking about it just in comparison to barbarian because it was the last horror movie i saw and like how last week i was saying how like look a lot of this was kind of funny my audience was on the same page we had a really fun time getting a kick out of some of the ridiculous stuff in barbarian and here it was like kind of similar but it like in that like everyone was laughing but like in barbarian it was like almost more like going for it with like you know the uh, just how outlandish, a couple and unique, a couple of those moments were with respect to the um to the mother or whatever you they call that character or uh, the Justin Long, the first Justin Long sequence and that once he gets to the house here it was just like some of the stuff is just so gruesome I couldn't help but laugh uh, and I'm 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 wondering like. Uh, like like specifically, I'm thinking of like those two girls next to me. That I think might have even been teenagers, and they were like they were like cracking up when she like chops up her sister and all. And I honestly kind of like laughed too. I I don't know why that was my reaction as opposed to just like being grossed out, but I laughed. And I'm wondering like what what your got what you guys like what your reaction was to like a lot of the moments in this movie. Like did you did you find humor in it or were you like more like grossed out? Yeah, I, I thought it was
2: definitely an intentionally funny movie. I laughed mm-hmm. nearly as much as I did during barbarian i think in a different way though barbarian i was kind of laughing in disbelief the entire time just because i'm <laughs> so kind of knocked off balance by how weird that movie is structured here it was more kind of uncomfortable laughter and i think that's <laughs> mostly down to mia goth's performance which i think is just incredible in the movie and honestly <laughs> what i think i could spend the most amount of time talking about because you know it is steeped in melodrama and it's like way over the top but it's also so kind of real and identifiable i'm not sure if either of the two of you have like dated a crazy girl before, but <laughs> the, the scene specifically where she blows up at the the suitor guy, the projectionist in the barn because oh, he wants we, to. Leave. We, we, mm-hmm. we all cracked up when he looked at his watch. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I gotta get out of here. And she's like, Why are you going cold on me? Like, there's something so real and relatable, and uh, you know, kind of divorced from the fantasy of the movie. Uh, that scene I remember really got a laugh out of me, and the other scene where, uh, and you know, spoilers, but at the very end when she's um, heading towards the axe to chop her sister-in-law to death with, and like isn't even hiding the fact, and it's just one long take that pulls away from them as you know the sister-in-law starts running. It's just like the 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 how casual and how uh, blasé she is about you know getting down to business like that, you know. It, it Mia Goth plays it for laughs really really well and um.
0: What about yeah. so I mean I agree her performance is incredible I feel bad we made it fifteen minutes in and didn't really even talk about her yet but like uh that monologue scene which I mean is obviously impressive in its own right we started laughing at that too even though like I think you're supposed to take it somewhat seriously just because like it's like. When her sister-in-law asked her to like open up to her and like play this role-playing exercise with her, she had no idea what the hell she was signing up for. So even if she hasn't connected the dots, that she's not like making it out of this encounter uh, alive, like uh, it's still like. It, it, it's still like at the moment it's like wow like she was just trying to like kind of be like supportive on the surface because po- possibly through this guilt of you know getting the role that she got that she didn't really confess to initially but like once she like starts just like confessing to murder in what turned out as like a role-playing sequence like we started laughing just imagining like what her face was on the other side of the table even though you don't see it so i even laughed at that but i was wondering like daniel not, not even necessarily specifically with that but i'm wondering if like you, you kind of like found any other like darkly funny moments in the movie that stood out to you that was like oh it's really interesting they found space for this too in the midst of what is ultimately a pretty tragic story
1: yeah most of the comedy is courtesy of mia goth i think that Mm -hmm. this film like you know i've been talking about the technical aspects it's not quite as playful as x was like i remember a lot of the scene transitions and x actually getting a chuckle out of me and this isn't necessarily the case here but her performance that very discomforting like there is something very wrong with this girl and she's trying her best not to show it uh that Mm. tension is what kind of drives the laughter um pretty much in pretty much in every scene that she's in there's like one moment that like makes you a little bit off balance like uh, the scarecrow scene where she kind of like uh, she's dancing with the scarecrow then sees the face of this projectionist she feels guilty about being attracted to him and she screams out I married. Yeah. And then she proceeds to uh, I'm sorry, I need to pull up the Wikipedia page cuz I need to know exactly what <laughs> masturbates. Like, oh, there's a yeah. there's a hyperlink. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, like when she's talking to the projectionist and she says like, "Oh, I wish that sometimes I just wish that my parents were dead." And he's like, "Pardon me?" And he's she's like, "Nothing." <laughs> like <laughs> in this petulantly childish way and i guess actually i should say that you know to the technical merits of the movie like beyond her, the fact that it is going for the kind of like, I've I've been saying melodrama like Douglas Cirque, but like also it's very like evocative of like those live action Disney movies from this period, most of which I haven't seen, but like stuff like Mary Poppins, you know, the fantasy land aspect, the kind, there's almost a fairy tale aesthetic here that is constantly being, you know, that illusion is being shattered by her slowly developing into a more and more overtly depraved person. I should say I've never dated a crazy girl like this. I, I could say that for sure. Me neither. <laughs> um, but, but like, yeah, those moments where like the, there's a crack in the facade, like they do seem really, really true to life to me. And that's because just Mia Goth, as heightened as the emotions are here, they, they feel very genuine. And when it, it all comes to a head in that oneer scene, you know, where she's doing the confessional. Admittedly, I didn't find that scene itself very funny, you know, because I'm just so wrapped up in that performance. Like, I don't, I like this is the kind of stuff I'm not a huge, I, I don't really really know much about acting, (laughs) but I see something like this and I'm like, this, this is, it's so annoying to me that something like this is never going to get recognized by the Academy. Uh, This is, I think probably my favorite performance of the year. When we walked out of this, Gage had said like, this is like a top three horror performance Wow. and reflexive and reflectively, I was like, I don't know about that. And then the more I think about it and, you know, having rewatched it, the more I'm like, I mean, what else is it? What else is in competition?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I guess um, hmm, wh- wh- while we're talking about her, I may as well like mention like the actual dance tryout scene. I don't know if we're supposed to think she's dancing poorly or just that like, cause like we see her feel- looking very fulfilled at the same time. But at the same time, like it's interesting that like, I think her performance is so strong in that moment that at this point, we kind of know how like messed up of a person is she is and how many uh, screwed up things she's done. But like you she's able to elicit like, so a, a decent bit of uh, emotion and sympathy from us, despite everything we know about her. And I think that really does speak to her performance, like in, especially in her reaction to being like rejected. I don't know if you were particularly moved by that gauge or, but like, I mean, that, that's some pretty high praise. Daniel said you heaped upon her. So I'm curious uh, if there's anything else you wanted to say about her before we talked about other parts of the movie.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think the the really difficult thing, you know, she, she, she wrote this script along with Ty West, mm-hmm. right. She put herself through the ringer yeah. for this. And uh, I think the really interesting thing about the role is that it is kind of a dual role in the same way that it was for her in X. She's not playing two completely different characters, but she's also not playing like a psychopath that is wearing the mask of like a precocious, you know, early 20s girl. She's both those things kind of in equal measure. So and like having to like
0: kind of come to terms with it herself throughout the course of the movie in a way.
2: Yeah. So, you know, in order to portray that psychopath, but also that, you know, innocent young girl, and then also to be doing like a fifties melodrama paint job on top of that, but then also somehow to make it like very identifiable and sympathetic. I mean, I got emotional watching some of her scenes in this film, feeling sorry for her after I watched her, you know, light her mother on fire. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's, to me, it's just it's an incredible performance, you know, between the, the like the five minute Warner confession scene and the very last shot of the movie where she's just like holding this strained smile with tears running oh. down her face Ooh. as the credits roll. I mean, I've been thinking about it for over a week now. And like the more I think about this movie, the more I'm just convinced that, you know, this is, it's an Oscar worthy performance and one of the best performances I've ever seen in a horror movie and just, you know. In all they the movie, film. Just great.
0: Man. Wow, that's that is that is like that is very high praise. I will say though,
1: I just have to make this one complaint. Why is it? that when you're a young, beautiful girl and you come across a scarecrow in the field and you use it to get yourself off, suddenly it's like, oh, it's like, speaks to like the repression of the society and this and that. But when I do it, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> what, what is the problem here? What is the problem? It's
0: reverse misogyny. That's what it is, Daniel. Mm, that's Dan, what it is.
2: Dan, Dan, you ever heard the phrase country girls make do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what, what, did, what did you guys think about the ways that, like, I mean, obviously it's taking place on the same property as X did, film there and all that. What do you think of, the, like, the allusions they made to the movie throughout, to X throughout the movie? Did you, like, think they did that in the right, do you think that he modulated that as well as uh, he should have? Or, like, was it where the, was too much? Yeah.
1: Genuinely second time i've seen this movie i didn't really notice many of them mm. um i think that it is a very self-contained work like i'm sure that there are tons of like little hints and such but like i just I, it just doesn't register because i'm so wrapped up in this story
0: yeah i saw a couple critics that were like kind of critical of it for that but like i mean and there were a couple moments where i was like oh as soon as she killed the chicken i was like she's walking to give that shit to the gator like i just like i i i, I just kind of knew it and then like before and then like before she actually like. Uh, uh uh kill the projectionist i was like oh we haven't seen the trident yet i bet that trident's coming out and then it did but it's like i i think i think that's the kind of stuff that like that's just there and it's people can pick up on it but like it doesn't really like it, it doesn't like stand out in any like too pronounced of way or anything like that you know i, th-
2: I thought it added to the movie but it didn't feel obnoxious i hate mm-hmm. movies that like worship the franchise that they are a part of Mm. this one you know there's a few little gags where you know when she's auditioning for the dance scene it's an x taped on the floor but that also makes sense Mm. and then they say you know we're looking for someone with a little bit more x factor and you know i rolled my eyes a little bit was that a term they
0: had in the in the 1980s you know yeah i I, I, I thought
2: the exact same probably not but you know the movie's good enough that like in any other context, I would be like, oh, my God. But here it kind of works for me. And, you know, th- obviously the scene with the gator and the scene where, um, you know, she drives that car into the lake that resurfaces an
1: X um but that's a psycho reference is it well in 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 uh in x yeah like you know when you see the car oh yeah kind of like yeah it's like the last shot the last shot of psycho yeah yeah. you're right
2: so i i think it's cool because you could watch this movie before you watch x you might be able to watch them in either order and enjoy the two of Mm. them like in different ways but I think it works just as well without the additional information I had going into it, having seen X.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I I liked the I I thought, I remember thinking it was pretty effective, the ways in which they they deployed the alligator in, in X. But like here, I think it would be kind of funny to like, not have seen x but then like all of a sudden like watch her go feed that shit to a gator and be like holy shit there's just an alligator at this farm uh like i think also i, I
1: do love the way that, i do love the way that they reveal the gator they were the gator comes out bites the goose and then freeze frame and then the title of the movie <laughs> yeah. Purl. Like, Purl. that's beautiful <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful i will say by the way you know we were talking about you know her uh confessional scene mm-hmm. and how it kind of spoke to like a loneliness and like a sense of wrongness within the character and you know it kind of is her just letting forth all the stuff that has been bubbling through
0: yeah we should say she's resentful of her husband who like again is from this rich family but like was supposed to be a promise of a better life and he's like no nah, i'm good we live it on the farm and we'll just live on the farm when i get back
1: yeah and she is you know she's revealing like the resentment she feels at her lot in life the you know the jealousy she feels toward those who have it better how dissatisfied she is and how helpless she feels to change her situation and you know, these are all very like powerful things for I think all of us. I know it is for me. I mean, shit, I can relate. I mean, I have yet to like do the things she's done. I don't think I'm in danger of that, but like you have yet, but, like to I do get it. But, then. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to rule anything out. I don't want to rule <laughs> anything out, but like. Uh, you know, you do feel for her in that moment. And I think it does speak to like a larger theme in the movie, which is the frustration that we feel at the lot that we've been placed in by society. I think that actually comes through a little, uh, it hits a little harder because of the nature of the, you know, the time period. This is during the, you know, World War One also during this what spanish flu outbreak yeah, yeah. we hadn't
0: talked about that at all That's intru- It's interesting yeah
1: so it is it is set during the outbreak which of course this movie was a covid production albeit in new zealand uh where you know they they actually they handled covid coverage. well yeah oh yeah they absolutely did you know hats off to them but um and so you see, like a lot of you know, when she goes into town, everyone's wearing masks. Uh, you know, it's part of why they're so she's so isolated on her farm with her family. Um, and you get a sense that like that's what's making her go a little bit aggravating her condition a little bit more. Like when the sister in law visits, and she's like, "Yeah, all this solitude's driving everyone crazy," and she's like, "You've got no idea." <laughs> what a what a genius
2: detail to to include the Spanish flu in this film. Not only does that wipe out the literal 100 years of like cultural progression and differences that separate us from the setting of the film to make it more relatable and identifiable, but also to, like Dan said, kind of directly draw parallels of the themes of the film about loneliness and isolation to how COVID has made everyone feel for the past two years. Just another way the movie helps you identify with the lead character moments before she bones a scarecrow <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no i i i, I hadn't god I, I honestly had forgotten about the whole food thing until you just mentioned it but I, I do think it's like a really smart way to like you know like you said
1: contextualize the experience yeah
0: yeah i think it's something every. like i mean I, not to just exactly repeat the point that gauge just said but like that's kind of what i want to do and just note that like i think like a lot of people are gonna like come to this and like not even just the fact that it's 100 years in the past but like they're just gonna see these particular people and the lifestyle they're living if this is, if you had just done this in the 70s following these people around at a different point other than where x took place be like you these freaking country bumpkins living on a farm or something like actually that. yeah no you know? that's
1: that, I, I just remember what i was thinking of um when oh. we were talking about uh, when we were talking during the barbarian episode we were talking about how like you know uh, this, the little segment from the 80s where we follow around the uh, spoilers for barbarian guys, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the serial killer dude, um, and how like his exploits in the 80s, you know, the things that he did kind of led to the world of barbarian, you know, that first act where like, you know, she's being super cautious and, you know, paying attention to all those red flags because back in the day, she, she would have never even have given this situation a second thought. And I think it speaks to like, there's a trend in horror right now where we are dealing with like how we relate to other people. Um, it's like a subtext in a lot of the horror. I, I, when we get to the end of the episode, I have another recommendation that speaks to this too. I think it's actually the genre, of which I think is best kind of exploring how the world has changed post pandemic. We're post pandemic, right? The president said that just the other day. <laughs> yeah. He? And I Hey, we're all in Florida too. So like, for everyone else uh, it's been post pandemic for like a year and a half here <laughs> yeah pa- the pandemic for us lasted two weeks and then it was done
0: yeah <laughs> i don't know uh, Did do you guys have any other feelings about any of the other uh character characters in this movie we didn't actually talk that much about that projectionist or like the other people that pop up to beyond just noting that her mom was pretty stern like
1: yeah this the actually you know as much as this is the mia Goth show i do like um all the other cast. Uh, uh, who's the mother? Tandy Wright? I actually don't know most
0: of this cast. I assume they're all like New Zealanders or right, something. it's it's, it's, a, it's a bit different from X in that regard. Like I, I think they did cast mostly people out of New Zealand
2: though. I just read on the IMDB trivia page when I was doing my painstaking research in this film <laughs> ten minutes before this show, um, that uh, Tandy Wright, the woman who played her German mother, was actually the intimacy coordinator on X. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah. a job on a film set but she told them like how to have sex good and yeah, then
1: Yeah, that's the that's a that's a
2: relatively that's become, new that's become a really nice
0: fears. That makes yeah.
2: sense, you know, considering, but um yeah, so, you know, he cast her as the mom and she like learned German for the role and wow. apparently like was really good at it and even fooled some German crew members with how good she was. And uh, I thought she nailed the hell out of her role too.
0: She was terrifying.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was. And uh, she also has like a really great monologue of her own when she's talking about how she's given up her life for her husband that is uh, also very affecting.
1: Yeah, gender doesn't really, I don't think they ever really fully dive into the gender politics of the era. But I think in that one, then that final confrontation between Pearl and her mom, I think that it does sort of speak to like, you know, the roles that women in this world were kind of expected to play. Like, you know, the difference between, uh, I guess, yeah, which uh, speaks to the difference between Pearl and, um, I'm so sorry, what was her name, Maxine in mm-hmm. X? Um, Maxine is somebody who knows what she wants and refuses to allow herself To become Pearl. And Pearl was her back in the day who didn't want to become her mother. But the difference is that Maxine lived in the 1970s, where like there was at least a greater degree of the ability for women to strike out on their own. And pearl lived in 1918 and so she was kind of subject to the whims of like the men in her orbit like yeah. she needed to hitch her ride to like somebody else's rocket i'm sure i'm mixing metaphors there well you're right
0: <laughs> that they, you're yeah but you're right they don't explicitly comment on the um uh they they don't they don't explicitly comment on a lot of the gender politics their only real option is to like if they want to get out is a good like get, like get a 1 in 100 chance of getting a spot on a dance troupe or something like that um like their options are obviously pretty limited. And I think them even in, in the, in, but like whatever it was in her mom's time was even more limited. And I think like there's some level of resentment and also just like cultural um expectation that, that, that like, you know, that she, they might've had at her time in Germany and like, she's just kind of like putting that on her. And like, I think that goes to just like setting up so well, what she ultimately becomes and what we see in X and that like, she gets these glimpses of what life could be. And it's just like really taken away by a lot of things that are, out of her control it, beyond just like her own, um, mental health issues. You know, you know what? I actually just realized that that make means that
1: Pearl is yet another fine 2020 entry, 2022 entry into the, um, child balking against the restrictions of their immigrant parent, uh, Canon, <laughs> what,
0: what, what, what <laughs> else, what, what else we have? Everything
1: everywhere, all at once. Right. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, turning red we talked about a couple mm. when we were do- talking about everything everywhere with uh with arjun
0: i i'm i'm curious daniel i just uh, it it is kind of a um we, we i think we mentioned earlier like you really only actually see two people get directly murdered in this movie uh, but like I think you guys are both like very, very high on this movie. Do you have any other kind of bigger picture thoughts about how this kind of like compares to other horror movies in recent years uh, that you wanted to kind of touch on before we uh, kind of wrapped up?
1: Well, from my experience, I, I haven't seen as much as, as Gage, but, you know, Ty West, he's, uh, you know, uh, the guy who kind of pioneered the current like the model for like arthouse horror filmmaking, like, you know, A24, he deserves royalties for every a twenty-four horror movie that comes out, I think, you know, um, and I guess this is following in that tradition. I think even more so. Uh, like, I think this is, I think, in a way, kind of barely even horror. Uh, like we said, like the last, the it's only like the last like half hour where people start dying. Uh, there's only like like three or four deaths, including the goose, uh, R.I.P. <laughs> You're not
0: going to let us forget about him. Go on, but not I was forgotten. very
1: honestly, that was probably the most deserving one for me. You know, at least the other ones you get, at least the other ones is like, yeah, she's being restricted by her dad and her mom. She killed the goose for no reason, dude. Yeah. The goose was completely blameless. She just didn't like the goose. I don't oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's also, also the, uh, the alligator egg, which that's, I think the one moment in the movie that I've, I struggled to like figure out what was the point of that.
2: Yeah. I feel like maybe there was, it was part of like a longer scene or something. It, it felt it's inclusion feels a little bit weird in the way it's placed within the film. It, it It's probably just building more towards like the complete meltdown that she has.
1: Yeah, Establishing that, you know, she might've taken that egg, but she is not the nurturing type. Right. So, uh, oh, by the way, I, 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 during the uh, confessional, uh, she mentions that, you know, she was glad when the baby died because apparently she was pregnant with, um, with Howard's baby before he went off to war. Mm. And, uh, I, I was curious, does that did she did she get it like an abortion or did she just it it did she miscarry? I couldn't tell I took it as a
0: miscarriage I took it as a miscarriage, mm.
2: yeah, I did too, but I think you know it it's probably purposefully left up to interpretation because it doesn't outright say one way or another, but i I also thought it was a miscarriage. well, fair enough.
1: yeah, this is barely even a horror movie, but as somebody who is normally very annoyed by movies that are marketed as horror and then I will come in and Say, oh, this is pretty much a drama. Uh, Didn't bother me here.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I guess I agree. This is one of those conversations that I never know how to have because no, the Pearl isn't trying to scare you. I don't think there's a single jump scare in the movie. You know, it doesn't really build tension in that way. It's definitely not like X, which had, you know, scenes where, you know, you're fumbling around in the dark and there's a naked old woman following you around. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's like, if a movie isn't trying to be scary, is it a horror film? Is a, if a movie is trying to be scary, but it's failing, is that a horror film? You know, If, if a movie is scary, but it doesn't have any violence in it, is that a horror film? You know, is this discussion worth having what is and isn't a horror movie? I don't really care. Uh, Ty West is like one of the best out there doing it right now, and the movie's great. So I, I don't feel the need to you know break it down into whatever subgenre. It yes. is. Sorry,
1: that being said, is Roar a horror movie out of interest? what do you think? It's scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I, people always hear me say like I'm not necessarily traditionally a huge horror guy, not necessarily into all the jump scares. So I think I just generally appreciate it when a movie can just put a vibe out there that I get a, that uh, that that I appreciate whether it be more creepy than or disturbing than actual frightening. Then that's fine with me too and i think this movie does what it wants to do you know very well um daniel uh anything anything else about x before we wrap up
1: uh you know we talked about like you know the production design and you know how it mirrors the look of those old movies but i also want to commend the score Mm -hmm. like i think this is one of my favorite scores and i'm not Admittedly, somebody who really recognizes music in movies, you know, you know, is very cognizant of it. But I think this does kind of recall the era in a way that, you know, I really, really appreciate it
0: i i can't i can't say i know enough about the era to like really uh, comment one way or the other but i'll take it and funnily
1: funnily enough the, the 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 guys who did the score um mostly horror like one of them was uh he did like bright burn get out mm. but also like guardians of the galaxy and deadpool 2 and then the other guy uh did like halloween 1 and 2 uh, which i assume are the the rob zombie remakes Uh, sucker punch 300 like he's a zach zach snyder guy and uh and john wick he does the score for john wick so very atypical dudes that you would expect to do like a kind of classical hollywood-esque kind of score so Mm. props to them
0: yeah cool uh, gage anything else you want to add on uh pearl before we wrap up nah go see it yeah definitely what do
1: you guys expect what do you guys expect Maxine will kind of harken back to because i think he said like i said that um the trilogy is meant to kind of be kind of make audiences cognizant of like these eras of filmmaking and whereas the 70s was like you know the, the classic sort of slasher and uh this is like the technicolor you know melodrama is there any what do you guys is, expect from maxine
0: is there like any kind of quintessential like 80s horror franchise?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. The non-horror guy asked that question. It's, it's just funny. I mean, bro, come on. The 80s is like the hallmark of, uh, you know, a, of horror film. Like, you know, you've got uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Um, okay, I thought uh, I thought uh, I thought the Friday, I thought
0: the Friday the Thirteenth stuff like started in like the '70s, so I wasn't sure. Like, it... No, no, no. Uh, '70s actually, I think late '70s is Texas Chainsaw. Oh, I was thinking. So, I, was, like... I was thinking about Halloween. I was thinking about Halloween.
1: Yeah, there you go. There I'm, you go. I'm
2: wondering if it's going to have more to do with like pornography in the late '70s, early '80s. Is is this going to be like a slasher boogie nights
1: movie? Oh, you know what? Erotic thriller. Mm. Yeah. The '80s erotic thriller. That's that's a certain. I, I mean, the little teaser that we get um, at the end of this movie. Uh, it had. It looks like it's shot on video, which also implies like a you know like the '80s is toward the end of the '80s. Certainly is when you start getting the shot on video horror movies. Mm. Um, has Ty West done like a VHS segment?
2: He did. He did in the first film. He did the honeymoon VHS segment.
1: I never got around to that one, but um, it's yeah, the I mean- only.
2: Well, no, VHS 2 has some good bits. It's the best VHS
1: movie. Uh, well, VHS 94 is really good. Shut I don't care what you hell say. Up. I don't <laughs> care what you say. That one is so much fun. I enjoyed that. Well, Ty, Ty, Ty but West yeah. has a
2: great little bit in the first VHS movie. One of the best VHS segments of all four movies.
0: Well, then I'll definitely need to get to it. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, Daniel, you said you had some recommendations for us? Yeah, I actually had a very particular
1: recommendation. Right after seeing Pearl... Uh, I logged on to Shudder and I watched um, Speak No Evil. Mm. Speak No Evil. Yeah, this one was, uh, I had heard a lot of chatter about. There's these two families that meet on holiday. One's Danish, one's Dutch. You know, when they get back from holiday, the Dutch family reaches out, says, hey, take your, come with your daughter. Our son misses her. And like, you know, we can all just hang out, you know, for a weekend. And um, they take them up. They go to this Danish, Uh, family's house and there's red flag after red flag going up this family there's something weird going on but they're not sure what and like they're being discomforted but they don't know exactly what the line is supposed to be for these people and like it's just I think it's the like the best like social anxiety horror that Mm -hmm. I've seen in the past year and again it it is the kind of perfect post-pandemic movie uh you know set in one location uh all about social interaction and the tension that exists in trying to connect with other people. um, I found it really kind of captivating. Now, that being said, it takes a very dumb turn. And there are a lot of people who really can't make sense of the actions of some of the characters. I think it's all kind of in keeping with the theme of the movie. And admittedly the i feel like the ending it doesn't quite stick the landing but the journey there is just i i I, it's the most tense i felt in a movie this year outside of like well the better horror movies i've seen and fall which was brilliant in theater so highly recommend speak no evil
0: all right, cool. Gage, anything you've been watching in the last week since we last asked you this question that you want to recommend to the listeners?
2: Um, I've been watching this show called Seinfeld. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I,
0: I always tell people we can recommend to the new world.
2: <laughs> I, I haven't had any time for movies. I've been crazy busy at work this past week, but sometimes on my lunch breaks or at dinner, I will sit down and watch an episode of Seinfeld and eat and man, that show just, it's just awesome that show rocks it kicks ass even after you would think after like 30 years it wouldn't be as funny but it's still just as funny
1: it's really really funny it's on netflix now right it's on netflix Mm -hmm. it's on netflix although in 16 by 9 (laughs) <laughs> which i hear a lot of people there no no, well, no there
2: are, hold on. There's, there's, was there's the you show don't... shot in 235 to one anamorphic what <laughs>
1: <laughs> no it was shot in four three like all tv shows oh of the it's, era, it's like uh, a pan and scan yeah exactly oh, the okay. pan and scan so it crops out details like there's an episode of like a the pothole where you never see the pothole now because it's a crop so here they're complaining about the pothole they're pointing at the ground and you can't see it wow that um, sucks yeah there's a couple episodes where which run into issues like that from what I hear but um I would do want to say I mean I know that now we're going on a little bit of a tangent but uh with Seinfeld the thing that kind of sticks with me um is the look of that show mm. like you see how brightly lit something like you look at friends and it's all kind of very flat lighting so that you get you know you see everything and like I get it but like Seinfeld I, it wasn't afraid to make things a little darker a little more textured and i think that it's probably out of the, all those these multi-camera sitcoms it's one of the ones that has like aged the best visually yeah
2: yeah it's just a great show man
1: oh yeah absolutely um i could re-watch any episode at any time i say that i have yet to see like the the uh the seasons without uh larry david but yeah
0: I don't have, I can't disagree with you guys on Seinfeld. I just haven't, really haven't had a lot of, I have not watched it much at all since like high school. I, I cause I haven't really been like much of a, a regular TV watcher since high school. So like back when like you might just find something on, I'm just don't really flip channels like that anymore. And I hasn't really been as like quick, easily available on streaming until it came to Netflix. So I might get into mm. it, but like I, I yeah, I highly recommend it, especially now that you're an
1: adult. Because I think that there's a lot of stuff mm. that goes over your head when you don't have to worry about real world problems.
2: No, absolutely. And you you can't really understand like the depth of the depravity of all the characters <laughs> until you become an adult and like understand
0: <laughs> how terrible these they people, are. Yeah, these
1: people are awful and they're all me. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It's, like it's, I, it's most...
0: the original Always Sunny. Well, that's the thing. It's an, it, 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 I was about to make that point where it's like, I, I, I don't think I've watched Seinfeld much at all since high school, whereas, like, I mean, I'm not caught up on It's Always Sunny. I don't think I've watched, like, the last three seasons. It just became harder for me to, like – catch up on on because it was like on hulu and stuff and like or when when i didn't have dvr and stuff like i don't know it was just like hard to capture on fx at the right time but like i i've I've watched most of always sunny as an adult so it's like being weird that like i consume that as an adult when i've really never consumed seinfeld as an adult just as like a 17 year old you know so i it'd be like a wholly different experience i'm sure going back and watching it um, I don't really have anything to recommend guys I, I, I thought I I, sp- I was, had a crazy week at work last week Thought I was going to be in a trial this week And I wasn't so haven't really had time to watch Really much new at all that I would Highly recommend even if I've been to the theaters A couple other times I saw See How They Run Which I think I, I liked more than Daniel But like it, it if you I think I, I see it as a nice little comedy more than as a compelling who done it so if that's the kind of thing you're in the mood For maybe check that out but like other than that Don't really have much to say Um, Daniel anything you want to plug social media wise
1: Uh, yeah letterboxed felonious funk you know same as always i'm also getting more on twitter but i honestly forgot my twitter handle so
0: (laughs) i know your twitter handle you don't even know your twitter handle because i I, 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 i've always yeah every single podcast you've basically done in like the last like four years i always tag you on twitter as being like hey 6k dollar brother joins josh for talk about this you know so there we go yeah hey look now
1: that i'm more active the moment we release a podcast with me and I'm retweeting. I keep on saying, I keep on saying it. I keep on forgetting because I'm not really that much on Twitter. But now that I'm getting on there, man, you know, I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader for the Rewind that you'll ever see on social media. Much, pre-
0: much appreciated. Gage, any personal stuff you want to tweet social media? or uh,
1: letterbox? Or
2: <laughs> Gage is my name. I think I have Twitter. I don't use it. I think it's just my name at Gage Eggleston. I hope that's right. <laughs> there you go
0: uh i uh, hopefully that is right uh i, I think i follow gauge so you can probably find him if you go see who i follow because i don't follow no Gage. way <laughs> uh there you go oh wait oh wait i don't follow you no sorry if you said i, I do not follow you on twitter if, if you're saying that was twitter you don't know i, I oh uh, yeah yeah no, no yeah follow, I follow you on Waterbox. yeah 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 um yeah no idea what Gage's twitter is but we can go Creep <laughs> around and find them if you want um as usual i'm josh shurn j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y on both twitter and letterbox podcast twitter is at rewind movie pod podcast email is rewind movie pod at gmail.com so send all your feedback that way uh coming up next not really sure i'm hoping to do stuff on the woman king and on uh don't worry darling who i, I think our friend kayla will join us for that so uh thanks to gage and daniel for joining me again thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time